0: Hey everyone, you're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest is Amy Gordner, the founder of SkinFix. The terms old and innovative might not usually go together, but in the case of SkinFix, it's a formula that works. When Amy was approached by a friend with an heirloom family recipe for skin concerns, Amy drew upon her experience in the beauty industry to marry the time-tested recipe with cutting edge research and therapeutics. The result is a collection of clean, pharmaceutical-grade products that target specific skin issues and barrier health. Take a listen as we talk about what it's like to found a brand from the ground up and running the business day-to-day. Amy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. So I was doing a little research uh, prior to interviewing you, and your formula or or the formula that inspired a lot of your work is 150 years old. Yeah,
1: it is. And it's crazy to think that it is really effective at healing serious skin issues, something that was created a long time ago.
0: I feel like we overcomplicate things now, but it's usually the more simple things, the better. So how did you find this formulation and launch SkinFix? fix? So I moved, I worked in the beauty industry in
1: New York. And then in London, England, I had the benefit of working with Joe Malone, which was an incredible experience. And then I got pregnant with my first baby, my Izzy, who's now 18. And my husband and I moved back to Halifax, Nova Scotia, his hometown. And I thought I had left beauty behind. And, um, I ended up meeting this woman who had an incredible family recipe that she had been making privately in her home and selling privately, and she was looking for some help and knew that I had worked in beauty. So I met with her and was helping her sort of create a marketing plan and raise some money. And she looked at me one day and said, you know, you and I share the same vision. You should buy my company. Um... And I loved her formula because it had a lot of active ingredients at a very high level. When her great-great-grandfather had created it in England, he was really just trying to create something that worked, which I know sounds obvious, but is not always the case in beauty. Um, So he had loaded it up with a lot of active ingredients that were actually pharmaceutical grade actives. And then over the decades, the family had been making it privately. They had collected letters from hundreds of people that had used it to treat really serious skin stuff like diabetic foot ulcers, psoriasis, eczema. And this had been the one product that had worked and healed their skin. So I decided to dive in and buy the company and take it from there.
0: When you did that, were you scared of buying the company? Did you have fears of like, what am I getting myself into? (laughs) I was terrified. Yeah, I was terrified. I mean, having worked
1: for Joe Malone, um, and I actually spent a brief stint working for Nikki Kinnear, the founder of Space NK. um, You know, I had a little bit of a look in on entrepreneurism, and those were two founders that had successfully built their businesses and exited. So it was a little bit, um, you know, of, of the rose-colored glasses and that perspective. But I knew the stories. I saw how hard they worked. I heard about all the twists and turns and the ups and downs and the times that both of them felt like they were on the edge of a cliff and they weren't going to make it. So I kind of knew what I was getting into. And and it was really terrifying. And I also didn't have a co-founder. I was doing it on my own as a, as a young mom, um, at that point, a single mom. So you know, yeah, I was I was really scared,
0: <laughs> and rightly so. Very honestly, a hundred percent, rightly so. Um, were you shocked at the complications that emerged? You know, I know you had to dump what around ninety thousand dollars worth of not usable product uh, when it wasn't as up to your standards. So, like, what were some of those shocking moments that you're like, "Why did I do this?" <laughs> yeah, and what kept you going? Frankly. I mean,
1: like a house and and obviously, you know, as an entrepreneur, like things always take longer and cost more <laughs> yeah. and sort of best laid plans, never go to plan. Uh, I think what, really was shocking out of the gate which i hadn't truly appreciated when i bought the company was that this was a pharmaceutical grade product which meant a whole lot of additional hurdles in terms of regulatory in terms of minimum production quantities like you can you can't make less than 10,000 pieces of a pharmaceutical product for instance so you know just lots of things that i hadn't necessarily anticipated which required that we you know be in retail out of the gate and be in a pretty large retailer out of the gate, those kinds of things. Because in order to make this product, I needed to have a place to sell it. Um, It also has expiry dates. So you have to keep that in mind and you can only... Your your expiry date is only two years on a pharmaceutical and you have to ship the goods within a year in order for a retailer to still be able to take the product. So there were all kinds of things that I hadn't planned for. And then we had a micro failure on the line, which, you know, pharmaceutical grade products, thankfully, have really strict rigor around all of the testing you have to do throughout the production process. It's a lot more testing you have than you have to do for a cosmetic. So we caught a micro failure, which does happen, but unfortunately we caught it at the finished goods phase. So we had to dump, as you said, $90,000 worth of product, which as a startup was a lot of, of money. Um, so yeah, I think I didn't truly anticipate what I was getting myself into when I, when I started.
0: So today you really focus and specialize on clean beauty. That's a buzzword, obviously you've been doing it, you know, since the beginning. So why is clean beauty so important and why should women really take this, you know, to their skin versus you know, I'm sent a lot of things and a lot of it goes in the trash because I'm like, I, no, if it's not clean, it doesn't go on my skin. Yes, I love to hear that, Rebecca. <laughs>
1: I mean, you know, it's interesting because we are sort of clinical and effective first because we treat medical skin issues. That's sort of our first priority. I would say clean is more of a personal priority for me Um Working with the dermatology community as closely as we do, there are a lot of naysayers in that community about clean and whether it means anything, what's the definition, is there science behind it, etc. So we've had to climb a pretty steep hill to prove that our products are truly effective and can stand up to, in some cases, prescription topicals but they also happen to be clean and that in the derm community has always been sort of secondary. But for me personally, like you, you know, I have this ethos that when in doubt, leave it out. So although there's controversy over whether parabens are truly, you know, um, to blame for breast cancer or whether they are truly part of the equation in cancer cells, I would rather err on the side of being as careful as possible. And I do truly believe that we are causing all sorts of autoimmune conditions and inflammatory conditions because of a lot of the exogenous toxins that we're ingesting through our skin and through our food and through all sorts of things that are in our environment. So I personally feel very strongly that we can create products that are truly medically effective with clean ingredients. And I would include biotech in that. I think biotech is a really exciting frontier for clean beauty because I think we can even, um, you know, create even better ingredients that have uh, less harm on the environment, but also are really
0: manufactured in such isolated environments that they truly are very, very clean. So your big moment, and correct me if I'm wrong, was getting into Target. Initially, um, but we pivoted to Sephora
1: in uh, April of 2019.
0: Okay, so when you got that big first target order, you know I think people when they're starting out dream of be- that big order.
1: Yes, they can also
0: be incredibly scary. Yes, and risky. <laughs> so talk me through that moment, and and then making the switch to Sephora, and and what that you know what sort of prompted that.
1: Yeah, I mean, when we um, when we started out, I had a an ointment, a targeted ointment to treat eczema, um, and we created a couple of SKUs to go along with that SKU. So we had three SKUs in the collection when we first launched, and they were very much targeted at eczema, which at that moment in time was really the the only place to sell that was in mass um, wasn't something that Sephora would have embraced. I think at that stage, especially something that was really a targeted ointment that was meant to be a proxy for a hydrocortisone or a steroid cream. So we were very lucky to partner with target who are a great retailer. And I think after Sephora, the best brand builders there are really. Um, and, You know, it was important for us because we had to make such high minimums to have a mass retailer. So we had a a limited distribution with them, but it was still enough for us to be able to make 10,000 pieces of each SKU. Uh, It was really exciting. I think, you know, looking back... um, We didn't have any target experience on the team, which was, I think, three of us at that point. (laughs) And I think looking back, one of the keys is that if you do land a big retailer like that, one of the first things you need to do is find an expert, whether that person's a consultant or an in-house person that really knows how to win at that retailer. Uh, But it was an exciting launch. It was an exciting partnership. And we actually were incredibly successful there. We were one of the top derm skincare brands in the body care section of Target. And they put us in the in the dermatologist set. So the planogram with CeraVe, Avino, and Lactin, we didn't go in sort of the clean or natural set. So we were up against the big guys and we were doing really well. I think a few years in, we had an opportunity to pivot. Our formulas are very expensive. Our price points were two and three times higher than our closest mass competitors, and that's tough, especially when you don't have the ad dollars that they have. So, when we had an opportunity to pivot and go to Sephora uh, as clean and clinical were becoming more important to Sephora, that made a lot of sense for our brand, and it was really a, the best decision I think that we made. It was it was risky, you know. We exited, we uh, repackaged, and we relaunched with Sephora, but it was the right decision, and the brand has just gone from strength to strength mm-hmm. at Sephora.
0: So, what would you say is your magic in continuing to have success now in a market that is has a lot of competition? Yeah, the skincare
1: is really saturated. Uh, I think the reason why we've continued to be successful and frankly, why we caught a, a real tailwind during Covid was because of our Positioning. We really are different than everybody else in this, in, in, still in skincare, which is kind of amazing. We're very much focused on first and foremost skin barrier health, which um, Sephora credits us for bringing the skin barrier health conversation to Sephora. And now it's one of the hottest categories of skincare. Uh, but we're first and foremost about barrier health because barrier health is at the root of every skin issue. And then we are therapeutic. You know, we really focused on treating acne and rosacea and keratosis pilaris and eczema. And I I think we're extremely unique in a Sephora environment because of that focus. And then we work closely with the dermatology community to do a lot of clinicals on our products and have uh, the proof that they actually work in a clinical setting. So I think that just um, sort of, really carves out a space for us in in the market in general, but in Sephora in particular, that is extremely unique. And there's an increasing interest among the Sephora client for products that are truly therapeutic, that are really treating targeted concerns. They're seeing search terms that are really specific um tiktok hashtags that are very specific people really wanting to talk about their skin issues and to find solutions on their journey so a brand like skin fix is just perfectly positioned i think at this time
0: and would you say that what got you up and wanted and made you want to you know buy this business is the same reasons why you do it every day today or has that changed as the business has grown and shifted That's such a good question. It's
1: absolutely the same as it was eight years ago, which is kind of amazing. You know, I was interested in the brand because of those testimonials and because of the fact that this clean product was truly as effective as a prescription topical or a steroid. And this idea that clean could truly be clinical and medical was what interested me eight years ago before that was really a thing, before Clean Clinical was really a thing. I truly believed that just because an ingredient was clean did not mean it wasn't effective. And I had this, you know, burning desire to prove that and to prove that in the medical community. And so I think today that continues to inspire me and the team. We get testimonials on a daily basis from people who have had some really tough battles with skin issues who find skin fix and it's cleared up their condition. And it's really sounds grandiose, but it's really changed their lives. It's given them back a quality of life. It's given them back their sleep. It's given them back their confidence. Um, And I think that is very much what inspires us every day. And we feel as a team of people that topicals can truly do a lot to help skin issues and do a lot more than uh, we have historically seen because I don't think people have had the same ethos that we have in terms of how they formulate. We really use the best and latest technology, but we use it at its active level to make sure that we're delivering and we're not just sprinkling in an ingredient to make a marketing claim. So I think, you know, our, our ethos, our moral imperative, our DNA is, is exactly the same as it was when we began. And, uh, you know, we were way ahead of the market, and it took us a lot of time to really get uh, traction and 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 for people to understand why we were different and why we existed. And now, I think we're being embraced as a brand that truly delivers on our promise.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. I think the way that you get fulfilled with seeing these miracles, which I can say as someone who had like random acne start after my daughter and, you know, took me nine months to figure out how to fix it. Like, yes, it is so much better when it goes away. Um, You know, in the way that, you know, I love meeting my customers and that fuels me. Where do you, where do you see yourself taking the brand to continue to fuel Your passion and and your desire to expand this?
1: You know, I think we're really just, we've just at the tip of the iceberg for SkinFix. I think there is so much more we can do within our partnership with Sephora in particular. You know, we're really meeting a need for the Sephora client and we are fulfilling a gap in the current skincare portfolio, truly being the experts in therapeutic skincare and truly being the experts in barrier health and bringing solutions that have been created in concert with dermatologists and that have been, you know, really clinically proven. So I think um, we've just got so much more room to grow in that environment. I think it's interesting to see a brand like ours do so well in Sephora because we are so sort of focused on barrier health and therapeutic skincare and problem solution. We don't chase the trends. We don't just have a retinol serum because it was trendy or a vitamin C serum because it's on trend. We really focus on specific skin issues and and barrier health. So I think we've got a lot of room to continue to grow in Sephora. I don't think we've done a great job of telling our story. And I don't think people really understand what our story is. So I think that is a huge opportunity for us as a brand. We just brought on a new president this year and a new CMO who starts in a couple of weeks. And I'm really excited to see what they can do with the brand in terms of just telling people what we stand for and where we come from and why we exist. So I think we've got a lot to have growing to do.
0: So talk to me about that process of, you know, turning the reins to others Um, that can be really hard. It can also be really liberating (laughs) or both hard and liberating at the same Uh, time. As as you went about that search, what made you go, okay, now it's time, you know, and and what do you find yourself doing now that these people are in place?
1: I mean, I am not a people manager. That is my Achilles heel. And you've always
0: known that or you had it slam in your face? I've always sort of known it, (laughs) but (laughs) when you run your own company
1: and you therefore get put in this position of CEO, which, you know, is just by default because I'm the founder. So I also become the CEO and, you know, in a small company, but I always knew that was not my, my strength. I am more of the sort of visionary. Um, I'm a big picture thinker. And I can work alongside people really well. I think I'm very collaborative. I think I'm a good colleague. I also think I'm a good employee, but I'm not a good manager. So it... Um, You know, to bring someone in at that level who really had the experience we needed in beauty and someone who had done it before, we really needed to bring on a private equity investor, which we did last October. And that was one of the first priorities for me was to find somebody who could be sort of my partner, if you will, almost my co-founder you know, that person who's a really good people manager, who's very good at operationally running the business, who's worked with Sephora, that was key, who's successfully scaled a business with Sephora. And um, so for me, you know, it was, It was a long time in coming, and I was very excited to bring that person on. That said, we took our time. Our private equity partner is very experienced in this space and very experienced with founders. And so they said, you know, Amy, pump your brakes. We're not going to just hire the first person that we meet because you're really keen to bring this person on board. So we took a long time to recruit, found an absolutely phenomenal person. And I'm happy to say it's been a super smooth transition. And I feel like now I have a partner um, and it's been amazing.
0: So how do you spend your time now? Where did that free you up? And and I'll just share like, you know, pre, pre my last child, right before maternity leave, you know, had 18 direct reports. <laughs> oh my God. We went down to one. And when I got back, we were, everyone was like, Oh, let's keep this going. It's, it's working out. And I went through an identity crisis and it took me five months to be like, Oh my gosh, I have so much time on my hands. What could I do now? And it was, you know, it was this weird, very much a low, low to then launch the podcast, launch female founder collective. So I'm curious how you've navigated that change? Yeah. I mean, it's a very
1: anomalous situation to mine. I mean, I had 14 direct reports going into the fundraise and you just, it's chaos as you know. <laughs> we had no head of marketing. So I was also the de facto head of marketing and nothing was done well. Everybody, you know, was sort of shoot from the hip. We were very last minute disorganized. We managed to get things done, but not in a way that was sustainable for people. Um, And uh, so now I have two direct, well, I have three, I guess. I have an EA now, which has also been life changing. Erica's been life changing. Um, That was a new addition post fundraise as well. And then our um, new president. uh, And I have product development reporting to me. And so I think it's still, Early days, because the president started in September, and we've spent a lot of time together just to onboard her. We had an all-company off-site. We've been out to San Francisco to meet to Sephora, been over to the UK for the Sephora UK launch. So we've been doing a lot, and we've been very, very busy. But I see that over the next few months, um, it's going to just be a massive change to my daily schedule. And I don't have the sort of 15 hours of back-to-back meetings that I had prior to now. um, I've got big windows and big chunks of time. So I'm excited to spend that time on innovation because I think there's so much in the pipe that so many things we want to do in innovation and also spend a lot of time in the dermatology community. I love going to conferences and really digging in and understanding the science and really getting to know um, the germs and, and sort of what they're working on. We're doing a lot of clinical trials with some of our Durham partners. So there's going to be plenty to do also playing the founder role. You know, as you were saying, you, your podcast and the female founder collective doing things that I can uniquely do in the space that, um, telling our story, um, you know, explaining why we do what we do and how we do what we do, I think is uh, something that the team would like me to see, to do more of. So, Hopefully I'll be really busy and can justify my existence, (laughs) but so far I love it. It's just, yeah, it's been a huge change of pace and perspective.
0: Yeah. I think sometimes it can be scary and then it becomes an opportunity to learn new things, do new things and grow. I think, Ellie, I don't know how you feel about this, but in my industry, it's like if you don't If you're not designing every day and it's not your exact, like you decided every detail, you know, people question, well, why do I buy that, you know? And it's like, well, I have a team now and we do it together and, you know, but there shouldn't even have to be the justification. But I find myself doing that, you know? I think that's. I don't, you know, I don't know Rebecca if it's a uniquely female thing, but I seem to have this
1: conversation with most of my female friends about this idea that we're not worthy unless we're doing, you know, it's we're not worthy in just our being, so to speak. And I talk to my daughter about this all the time because I I for whatever reason I have that need to justify my existence by constantly doing and being really, really busy every minute of the day and I have a lot of friends that feel the same and I think that is, it's so important for us to understand that that's not necessary, you know, and that it's okay to have windows of time in the day where maybe we can actually just explore something that is is tangential to what we're doing that might inform what we're doing and maybe, you know, catch up on the news or go for a walk or just be for a minute actually go out and grab a salad at lunch like i just think as women and as entrepreneurs we're just go 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 the pace is so crazy that the minute you have those breathers we feel guilty about it and i don't i don't know why because you know it's crazy to think we should be on high octane and hypervigilant for 18 hours a day it's not sustainable it's not healthy it's not good for the business you know, it's, it's an
0: illness. (laughs) And, you know, right now I'm seven months pregnant and I'm forcing myself to slow down. And then I feel guilty for slowing down. And then I'm like, why are you going harder? You know? And it's like, no one's telling me this. It's an internal dialogue that I'm like, what is wrong with us? (laughs) You know? Well, congrats on the
1: babe. (laughs) I did hear you were pregnant. That's so exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, don't know what it is. And I definitely think it. it's important that we find a way to end this feeling of guilt when we're not going hard all the time because it's really not, not healthy. Um, I'm trying to, my 18-year-old daughter just started university and she's actually finding it quite easy for her because she went to a really difficult high school and then she's feeling guilty that she's not working all the time because she doesn't need to. It's, right. you know, she's taking courses she actually loves. that comes easy to her. And she's like, but mom, and I'm like, but is just enjoy, relax. You're 18, you know, go to lunch, have friends over for dinner, have fun, enjoy Montreal. Like, why do we have to feel guilty if things aren't hard all the time?
0: I know. I wish I could pinpoint the moment that that happens to us because I don't remember it being taught in school. I never remember anyone saying that, but here we are, two women who know a lot of other women who feel the same way. And it's just like, when did that, you know, when did it get programmed into us, you know? Yeah. And I don't know if it's
1: women only, but I do feel like it is something we uh, feel more maybe. (laughs) And that's what I've observed, but I don't, I don't know why. Um, And it's unfortunate. It really is. Agreed.
0: So, what is next and or exciting to you? Are you launching anything new that everyone should immediately go to Sephora and buy <laughs>
1: <laughs> always right we're yes. always we're always launching something new. We do have a couple of really exciting new launches in barrier health in the first half of the year. We have a serum we're launching in January and then an eye cream in uh march and you know for us, barrier health is really the core of what we do. And I think often people, when they think skin barrier health, they think hydration. They think just sort of repairing the barrier so that your skin is more hydrated, which is the first step and is really important. But with these launches, we've kind of gone a step further and included some really interesting ingredients at very high levels that also help to upregulate things like collagen, elastin, hyaluronic acid in the dermis. So this idea of sort of first let's repair the barrier, let's increase the ceramide production in the in the skin barrier itself to kind of redensify the barrier and and uh, create healthier skin at the surface. But then let's go a step deeper and really um, help the skin boost its own natural production of things like hyaluronic acid and and elastin. So we're really excited about that launch. We've got some. Strong clinical data on both the serum and the eye cream, and um, you know, if you're someone that uses retinol or vitamin C or exfoliating acids, it's a phenomenal duo to help those products not only work better but give you less of the sort of side effects, the redness, irritation, inflammation that can happen from active ingredients. So we're excited about first half and then second half. We have a phenomenal new acne product that I'm really excited about as well. So
0: lots of innovation in the pipe. That's exciting. Well, if I break out with uh, postpartum acne again, I know who I'm calling. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. And I'll send you some of our new serum. It's gorgeous. It's uh, it's really nice. I'm experiencing extreme like turkey neck chest. That's my, the, my newest like, oh, 42. Yes. This is what happens to your chest and neck. So <laughs> That's my, well, current, that's my current attack mode. Well, listen, I'm sure your
1: skin is absolutely gorgeous, but I will send you some of our serum because I, it's, you know, really, um, I've seen a massive difference in my skin from using it. Our new president started using it, went for a facial and the esthetician said, what have you done? Like, have you done fillers? What happened? Your skin is so plump and
0: um, firm. So it's, definitely making a difference and i will
1: i will send you some
0: i love it so two more questions what would we be surprised to know about you um i am well i was a comparative religion
1: major in university (laughs) so as much as i love skincare i love the science and i really nerd out on it i was not a science major i was actually a religion major so that's um not the typical
0: path for a business person, definitely not. That's a first. I think I haven't heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what isn't a piece of advice you'd like to pass on that you either learned the hard way or someone gave to you that was valuable?
1: I mean, I think for me, it's really know your strengths and weaknesses, and uh I think that the journey would probably have been a lot smoother for me if I had had a people manager a, a person sort of a partner earlier in the in the business who was really good at handling the people um the heart side of the business just if i had sort of appreciated my weakness earlier and done something about it i think it would have been a worthwhile investment um you know i'm good at certain things and I love to do certain things but I'm of more value to the company doing those things and uh having a partner like our current president Virginie has just really made a huge difference and I wish I had done it a lot sooner.
0: I love that. I think admitting our weaknesses is one of the not to sound cheesy the strongest things we can do because once you admit it and hire for it it just goes a lot easier. It really does.
1: It's been a game changer for our company. And uh, I'm just so grateful that we have her on board and that the team is just excited and in a really good place. It's a lot of hard work, as you know, and there are ups and downs and cycles of, you know, good things that are happening and cycles that are bad things that are happening in the business. And so it's really uh, important to make sure that you've got the right team in place to help keep the culture and the energy uh, in a positive place and, and uh, yeah, keeping everybody happy. And we spent a lot of time at work, so we all need to
0: feel fulfilled and, and enjoy it. I love it. Well, thank you for your time and your honesty and um, for providing great skincare to so many people. Thank you. Thanks, Rebecca. And best
1: of luck with the babe. (laughs) Thank you. I can't wait to hear. (laughs) Thank
0: you. Hear the news. All right. Take care. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithm. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage and Success. Thank you again and you will hear from me next week.